Welcome to season two of Alignment. On this season, we're focusing on tech crimes. This sounds pretty dark and nefarious, doesn't it? Well, we're not talking about deep, dark internet crimes, but rather our trespasses as business professionals and technologists. Think of them as the no-nos that you just don't do. Like hanging the toilet paper the wrong way around. You just don't do that. What's the wrong way, though, Ken? Coming over the top and down the front. Everybody knows that. I've seen differently, though. I've seen well, it around the back as you, well. You've seen it wrong, then. <laughs> but we digress. I'm Ken. And joining me in my confessions today is my opinionated friend here, Jim. He's a developer with Engage Partners. And he's going to help me explore some of these crimes that we as technologists commit sometimes without being aware of it. So before we get into the, the questions at hand, Jim, why don't you give the folks listening uh, a little idea of what you do for a living? What, what, is, what does it mean to be a developer? What, what, uh, what kind of things, what does your typical day look like? Sure. Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. I've been doing it for uh, quite a while. Uh, if it means anything, I, I worked on Y2K conversions, so that's uh, that tells you something right there. Um, in my role at a client engagement, though, I'm typically a some sort of technical lead or architect or something like that, where I'm helping uh, design and implement solutions that span across different technologies at a client. Um, also, that that span across many legacy systems a lot of times. Uh, so most of my career has been spent um, doing things like that, writing Java and Kotlin. Those are kind of my two areas of expertise, but I've dabbled in just about everything you can think of as far as frameworks and languages and platforms. So uh, a lot of experience, but a lot of experience in Java and Kotlin for the most part. Hmm. Cool. Well, as a developer myself, uh, I normally work on a team alongside other developers. So my, my question for you is, to start off, what, what are some of the things that developers do that just make you lose your mind? How much time do we have for this podcast? <laughs> as much time as you want, my friend. <laughs> no, there are, you know, so over time I've seen a lot of different things, and I'm guilty of a lot of these things myself, so I'm not claiming that, that I don't do these things, but I do, I have learned a lot, and so I try to do my best to avoid these things where I can. Um, the first thing that came to mind when I started thinking about this was uh, developers that learn from a tutorial and then implement exactly what's in that tutorial and that becomes your production solution. And I'm, this is nothing against tutorials. The tutorials are great. They're a great way to learn, great way to find out about new technologies. But too often, and, and again, I'm guilty of this, too often we'll go through a tutorial, we'll see how something is implemented, some new framework or some new component or new technology, and we take the tutorial for, okay, this is the best practice. This is how you do the thing. And unfortunately, most tutorials, because they're meant to be a quick start or a, you know, here's how, how to get going with the thing, they kind of leave out a lot of the best practices or a lot of the things you should be doing in favor of just making it, you know, here, here's how this thing works and here's how you use this right. new thing. And unfortunately, yeah. that often leads to a lot of uh, production code that becomes hard to maintain, uh, is less than ideal, doesn't follow design you know, patterns and best practices. Uh, things get difficult to unit test because a lot of times you'll see 
like in the Java world or any object-oriented language, the tutorial says, oh, create new, you know, class to do thing. And, you know, you know you never do that. You know you should use some sort of dependency injection framework, but that's not what the tutorial said to do. So you didn't do it. And so yeah. now it's difficult to test. So that's the first thing that came to mind. And I see a lot of that. And again, I've, I've done it myself. So, hmm. you know, can't, can't claim to be guilt-free there. Yeah. Um, any other... Any other things that that just uh, kind of chap your hide a little bit? Yeah. So um, another one, kind of along with that first one, is is unit testing. A lot of times you'll see that uh, people will do unit testing just to comply with whatever you know standard is set by the team or the organization or the enterprise. So you see testing that's just you know code coverage. But when you really look into the tests, they're not doing a whole lot. They're not asserting things that they should be. They're not, you know, really testing behaviors. But you look at a code coverage report and you got close to 100% code coverage. That's great. But um, that's actually worse in my mind than having quality unit tests because now I don't know really what the tests are doing. Are they doing something valuable? This one certainly isn't, but this other one might be. So it's almost more difficult to come into a situation like that um, with kind of poor unit tests than no unit tests at all. Um, so that's another thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can go on. How many more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got time. Uh, you can do one or two more. So I, yeah, so I've got probably a couple more then that I'd want to definitely touch on. Um, one thing is developers who are wanting to future proof everything and prematurely optimize everything. You know, it's so easy to get in. I've, again, this is another one that I've done. You know, you know that it needs to do a couple of things right now. But we know that you know next sprint or next quarter or whatever your iterations are that you want to do this other thing. So it's really, really tempting to, let's build that thing now. Let's get part of that in there, and then we don't have to worry about it later. But unfortunately, what I've seen is that almost never works out. If you don't have the requirements for it and you don't know what you're supposed to be delivering, when you get to next quarter, that thing that you tried to implement to future-proof it doesn't even work. It doesn't even apply to the to the requirements that you're supposed to have. So um, not doing that ahead of time or trying to do that stuff ahead of time it really just leads to more rework in the end. Um, and then also premature optimization. I mean, unless it's you're talking about like a quick sort versus a bubble sort for a large list of things, you, we all know which one is the right one to do there. But um, when it comes to your business processes and trying to optimize things ahead of time, that never, almost never works out. You're better off just implementing the thing and then when you see the problem uh, through your load testing or performance testing or whatever it is, then go ahead and, and fix it up. Hmm. Okay. I guess one last thing I'll mention, um, and this seems really, really petty, but uh, developers who refuse to follow any style guide that you know the team may have agreed on or the company enforces you know i've got my way of doing things i know where a curly brace is supposed to go and i know where there's supposed to be spaces between parentheses and so that's the way i like it and that's how i'm going to do it and that just ends up causing a lot of trouble for everybody because now when i do a pull request my code looks different than your code and you know, my code's better, of course, but... Of course, of course. goes without saying. But now it's very difficult to see what the actual changes were because I've gone and reformatted everything to, to my standards. Mm -hmm. So that's it seems small, but, man, that's a that's one that, that causes a lot of time and a, a lot of wasted time for people down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, development's hard, 
it's a complex operation, complex activity. So there's a lot of places where we can go off the rails. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I uh, go off the rails quite often. <laughs> but uh, so let's, let's go back and look at uh, a couple of these things. Um, so, the, uh, so just going out onto Stack Overflow and copying, pasting somebody's code into the production code is not necessarily a good thing. Is that what you're saying? I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at there. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad thing. You know, we all, that's that's how we learn. Like, I don't know, honestly, I don't know how I did my job before the internet and before yeah, I could go to I Stack know, Overflow. If it wasn't for Stack Overflow and Control-V, yep. I, I would be, uh, you know, I, I would be out of work. Yep. I guess the important thing there is that you're, you're grabbing the stuff and copying it and you're pasting it, but you're understanding. I think that's the key that a lot of people miss is I shouldn't just copy and paste it, but I should understand what it is I'm doing. And that's, I think, a part that gets missed a lot. Right. Right. Yeah, there's there's really no substitute for understanding. Yep. Uh, and we don't, it, it, it requires thought, it's hard, it's painful, so we don't want to do it. We just want... We just want the answer. Yep. It's like when you look up something and there's a bunch of words there. You don't want words. You want code. <laughs> yes. Give me some code to yes. copy. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I'm looking for. So so maybe I am part of the problem. I don't know. Wow. Anyway, um, so uh, let's talk about future-proofing. Premature optimization. How do you how do you engineer the code so that when you do go back and retrofit things, everything doesn't break? Because that's one of the things in if you don't future proof, and then when you do go back to you have to implement new functionality. Now you're afraid because yeah. you didn't put that in there. Yep. You didn't put any hooks in there. You didn't anticipate. Um, how do you do that? Yeah, and I don't know that there's a, a great, you know, straightforward answer that you can give for every situation, but I think it's a matter of following some best practices. You know, there's design patterns. The idea of design patterns has been around forever. And, you know, if you understand those design patterns and you recognize how those can be applied in a system, I think that's where you can really protect yourself. You're not future-proofing your application because there's always going to be changes. You're always going to have to add things to it. You know, it's never going to do everything you need to all at, all up front. But if you've followed some you know, best practices and used you know, well-known design patterns and you have that vocabulary to use with other developers, you're going to be, you're usually going to end up in a spot, not every time, but you're usually going to end up in a spot where you can add that new piece of functionality or you can implement the whatever the new feature that's needed is, you can do that without having to rework the entire system. Hmm. Right. Yeah, cool. So what do you do with the rogue developer? What do you do with a rogue developer? I think, you know, it's it's easy to look at some of the things that you, you see and automatically think, you know, I just have to redo everything this person has done. I, you know, it has to be done my way. Um, but then you're actually part of the problem if you're doing that. So, you know, in my experience, it's, it's much easier to work with people if you just have a mutual respect. 
you know, you're all, especially if you're like the new guy coming onto the team, you may have a lot of experience, but you don't have the, the experience at the company or in the industry that the, the people already on the team do. So I think just having a, a respect for the people and trying not to be confrontational about things, but just trying to present things as you are trying to help improve the product or help improve the code base. You're just trying to help make things better and you're trying to work, you're trying to collaborate with them on that end solution, whatever it is. So I don't think you can just go in and, and just tell people you're doing this wrong, here's the way you need to do it. It needs to be a collaboration with the team. I'll bet you were a Boy Scout. I, you know, I was a Boy Scout. I did not get to Eagle Scout, but I was a Boy Scout. And that's actually a really good, you know, analogy there is, you know, you go into a code base or you go into a client and you want to, you want to make things better. You want to leave things better than when you found them. And I think that's a really good, just overall, I know that's very generic and general, but I think that can be applied to a lot of things and definitely applies to code. Mm -hmm. If you can be a Boy Scout and you can make things a little bit better than they were before, I think everybody benefits from right. that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, what, um, what, what advice could you give young developers to be better citizens of the development community? We work with a lot of apprentices at Engage and a lot of junior developers what are some of the things you would tell them to to focus on? Because there's a billion things to focus on. There are. <clears throat> so I think the first thing I would say is, you know, even if you're the new person on the team, and this is going to be contrary to what I kind of said before, but if you're the new person on the team, you, you are a fresh set of eyes on that team. So don't be afraid to question things. Don't be afraid to look at what's there and question why something was done a certain way. Um, and you know, don't be don't you don't have to just accept. Well, that's how we do it. That's not a great answer. That may be how we do it, but why? So I would say that's the first thing: is don't be afraid to ask questions about what's out there, and try to figure out like why something was done a certain certain way. Um, even if you get the answer and the answer is different than what you you know what you think should be the way to do the thing, um, as long as you understand why it was done that way, that's the first step in in kind of collaborating on this code base and making things better. Mm -hmm. um, so along with that, just like we talked about before, always be respectful in those interactions. So, you know, especially as a new person on a team, you don't know what they know. And they may do things that, that irritate you. They may do things that are the crimes against you, but they also have a lot of knowledge about what's going on at that at that uh, project or at that company. And I think we can all learn from, from everybody, no matter right. what we think about you know, the way they're coding or any of that stuff. So um, definitely be respectful in all those interactions. And I think the, I guess the last thing I would think of is, is you know, unlike some professions like engineers, you know, structural engineers and things like that, you know, there's, there's certain, you know, in those kind of fields, there's certain right ways. You have to do things certain ways in order to meet codes, in right. order to... By law, you're, exactly. you're bound. You know, with us, we don't have, there's, you know, you look at any problem, there's probably a hundred right ways to do the thing, or a hundred ways to do the thing. Some of those may be right, some of those may be wrong, and a lot of that is a matter of opinion, honestly, and a matter of um, the context of the problem as well. So, um you know, ultimately, don't get too tied to a particular solution 
or you know your particular solution because there's a lot of different ways to solve the problem and the more you can just collaborate with people versus pushing your way to do things because your way is the right way uh, I think the better off everyone is in the long run yeah that's a good that's a good point um, a lot of times when someone joins a team even if they're not a a young or, or junior developer, they feel they have to prove themselves. They feel like they have to, at every interaction, they have to let everybody know that, I knew that. I know this. Mm -hmm. I know that. Uh, we all have experienced that. We've probably all done it, but I don't want to admit it, <laughs> so I won't. But uh, we, we know how irritating that is when people do that. Then you, you want to just shake them a little bit and say, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that, you know. Yep. I know you know stuff. You know you don't have to to prove yourself. Um, but you know we we we're afraid. You know we we are insecure, and uh, you know that that causes a lot of that. That's what causes us to become too invested in our solution. It's got to be our way. Otherwise, if right. I if I give in, then it's you know it's it's showing weakness and you know ignorance and then. And those are, you know, those are unpardonable sins, you know, to some people. Yep. But the older you get, the more you screw up, <laughs> the, less, the less you get invested in that stuff. Yes. Invest in the team solution, not your own. Yes. Yeah, so, Agreed. Yeah. So that's, that's good stuff. Thanks for, thanks for all your insights, Jim. Thanks for being here. Uh, this has been really... Uh, great and enlightening. So let me let me just sum up a little bit about what we've been talking about. One of the takeaways is that uh, we should be a good Boy Scouts. We should we should leave the code better than we found it, and it's not that hard to do. And uh, we we didn't mention this, but if you have good testing, good unit tests, then a lot of times you can you you can feel good about making a change and not breaking something. But you should still try to improve the code. Uh, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, showing ignorance is not being stupid. It's just the natural progression of things. None of us was born with this knowledge and none of us has all this knowledge. So, uh, And there's we, so much more to learn every oh, day. Every day, it's, every day. It's, it's continuous. It's like, so. Yeah, it's... it's, it's just mind-boggling. Um, show uh, show respect. Respect one another. Uh, you're on a, you're on a team of professionals, and sometimes we don't act like that. We're, we act more like a, a little league team of baseball players that are just trying to to continually tweak each other uh, instead of professionals that you know, have valid opinions and, and ways of doing things. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's great. Um, thanks for being here. This is, this has been awesome. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, James. Yes. It's been fun, Kenneth. Thank yes, you. Yes. Yes. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. And, uh, uh, for our listeners, thank you for being here and hopefully something that we said today, uh, inspired or informed you. Uh, if something uh, did stand out to you, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us at engagepartners.com. <laughs>